0: bring hope into your life you know as long as there's breath there's always hope the bible says that we are to hope in god the scripture says that we can even be to a place in god where we are bubbling over with hope why because we believe god we have a firm foundation of the word of god that is our substance that we live by The Word of God is life to all those that find them. And the Word of God will bring faith into your life. And if you'll add hope, which is a confident, favorable expectation, you will always come out on the other side victorious. How many of you have a firm foundation in God? A firm foundation in the Word of God? And then your hope, hallelujah, because faith gives substance to the things hoped for. I am fully expecting the Lord to do mighty things. I'm looking with an outstretched neck at my future with great expectation. I believe that your days and my days, I believe our best days, our most glorious days are just out ahead of us. Amen. Glory to God. Now in Jeremiah chapter 29, in verse 11, and I'm going to look at it from the NIV, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Everyone say, tomorrow Tomorrow. is going to be awesome. Well, I thought tomorrow was Monday. Yes, tomorrow is Monday. But you can choose on Sunday that it's going to be an awesome day. Because death and life are in what? They're in the power of the tongue. So you and I can choose how we're going to live. We can choose how we're going to think, believe, and speak, and act in line with the Word of God. You say, Pastor Mark, things haven't been going that good. It's going to get better. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power working in us. See, God has placed on the inside of you and I the ability to have vision. Let me remind you, Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, we are not a visionless people. We've seen things in the word. You've seen things that God has spoken to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you are not without vision. Maybe your vision has gotten a little bit dull or blurred through the circumstances of life. But I believe today a rushing mighty wind is going through your life. And it's going to clean up and clear away all the dross. All the things that you've been unable to see. He is a God of hope. He is a God of vision. And our future is bright. Amen. Turn to me to Psalm 146 in verse 5. And when you've got hope, when you've got vision, it'll make you happy. It'll put a big smile on your face. In Psalm 146, and we look at verse 5, let's notice that. It says, happy is he. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So hope makes us happy. How many of you really want to know the plan of God for your life? Well, I've got inside information. Listen to this. The plan of God is the glory of God, prepared by the love of God, especially for the child of God. That's you and that's me. So say it real strong. The plan of God is the glory of God, prepared by the love of God, especially for the child of God. That's me. Point to your neighbor and say, that's you. you. Amen. Look at Ephesians, the second chapter in the seventh verse. We're going to look at that from the Amplified. Why has God made all these things available to us? Why has He prepared paths for you and I to walk down? Paths of prosperity, paths of joy, paths of peace. What is God up to? Well, in Ephesians 2, 7 says, He did this that He might clearly demonstrate. Through the ages to come, this hope, this favor is for all ages. For the ages to come, that He might show the immeasurable, the limitless, surpassing riches of His free grace, His unmerited favor in His kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. So what do you say we get excited about the future? Now look quickly over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 and verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 and 9. It says, but let us who are of the day, we are not of darkness, we are the light in Christ. He says, you who are of the day, be sober. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. And notice, and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. We'll go back to that in a minute. But read verse 9 with me. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that wrath is not in your future? Do you know that if you are a child of the living God, God is not going to pour out His wrath upon you? That is great news. But now notice with me, I want you to look at verse 8 again. He says, put something on, put on the helmet of salvation. And it is the hope of salvation that becomes our helmet, so to speak. So a helmet is used for protective gear. When the 49ers take the field today, they're not going to take the field without their helmet. When you go into the field of your life, do not go out there with part of your armor on. Make sure you've got your loins girt about with truth. Make sure you've got your breastplate of righteousness on. Your feet, oh hallelujah, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and take the helmet of salvation, glory to God, and have a high hope in the field of your life. Somebody shout amen. The enemy will not be able to penetrate your hope with despondency. If you will place upon your head daily the helmet, the hope of your salvation. When you do that, you'll begin to see as God sees. And you'll see your future as being something that is glorious. I'm telling you, no device that Satan puts on you or no weapon that is formed against you will be able to penetrate those that are saturated in the glory, that are filled with the hope of God, that are filled with the faith of God. You'll be able to triumph in life. You see, God's plan for us is glorious. Individually, I mean, but also corporately as a church. He says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. Now in Romans 4, uh, 8, verse 14, Paul, you know, must have been a southerner because he said, For I reckon, (laughs) he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. We've all been through some difficult times. Yes, there are sufferings, but we don't want to camp out in the valley. We want to keep our eyes on the Most High God, because He is the God of the hills, He is the God of the plains, and He is the God of the valleys. So no matter what you may be going through, He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am on your side, and I'll take you by the hand, and together we're going to go through this and come out the other side shining. Amen? Amen. Amen. So faith does not focus, if you will, on the sufferings and the tragedy. Faith keeps its focus on the hope that is before us. Paul f- faced some difficult times, but here was his attitude. And he had the spirit of faith. He said, what are we going to declare? What are we going to say to these things? He said in Romans 8.31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Try that on for size today. See how that fits in your life. Say it real strong with me. If God be for me, who can be against me? One more time. If God is for me, who can be against me? need to say some things about what God is and He's doing in your life. And he goes on to say, verse 35 through 39, he said, nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Not any tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or peril or sword. Verse 37, he says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, Paul went into overdrive here. He says, I'm telling you, I'm persuaded about something. Here's what I'm persuaded about it. I'm persuaded the death, nor life, angels, devils, powers, things present, nor things to come. Nothing's going to be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. That's the attitude that more than conquerors have. Somebody says, yeah, but I've been knocked down, but I see you're not knocked out. Amen. Yeah, my, my breath got temporarily taken away, but I see you got breath today. And my Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let's praise Him for a moment. Glory to God. We got something to praise Him about. I see you made it to church today. I see a lot of you drove. I see some of you took the transit. Some of you walked. Thank God, aren't you glad you got feet? Aren't you glad you got money to pay the bus? Aren't you glad you got money to put in your tank? Amen. Glory to God. We are more than conquerors. I was watching Brian Houston today on Hillsong TV, on God TV, and he, he gave a word that was so good. Let me just encapsulate for you very quickly. Just because a season in your life is over doesn't mean that you're over. Just because they took your car away doesn't mean that you're finished. Just because Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, didn't mean he was finished. Because he's still alive today, seated at the right hand of God, is our mediator, intercessor, high priest. Glory to God. Well, they foreclosed on me. My ministry ended. This season ended. Don't let a season that has ended stop you. You just keep moving. Put one foot in front of the other because He that has begun a good work in you, He is going to complete it until He returns. So we are not moved because we are hoping in God. The world system, as you know, is very unstable. But I dropped by to remind you of Psalm 112, verses 5 through 6. And this is talking about a man who is totally sold out to the Lord. And in verse 5 and verse 6, it says, A good man, he shows favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Verse 6, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Let's look at verse 7 again. He shall not be afraid of bad news. He's not afraid of bad news. Now, what's the reason for that? Say it. His what? His what? He's not afraid of bad news. Why? Because he's set his heart on him. He has always kept the Lord before him, and his trust is in God. Tonight, Pastor Brenda's got a great message called Lean on Me. I think she's going to sing the song by Bill Withers (laughs) and then end up with leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm not quite sure about that. But listen, friends, when you've got a glorious hope... When you have an established heart, you can get happy. Hope is going to make you happy. It's going to put a smile on your face. It's going to to enable you to laugh at calamity. It's going to cause you to rejoice even though a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand. It'll cause you to rejoice because you've got a covenant with a covenant keeping God and by the grace of God, it ain't going to come near you. Oh, no, you don't rejoice in what's happening around you and happening in other people's lives. With mercy, you call out to God for them. But as for you and your house, you stand strong because your house is founded upon the rock and He is going to cause you to win in life. Amen? That's what the Holy Ghost is saying to you today. It'll get you happy. At destruction and at famine, you can ha-ha... Ho, ho, and hee (laughs) hee. Psalm 37, 12, and 13 says, The wicked plots against the just and really gnashes upon him with his teeth. But the Lord laughs at him. Now, why is that? Because he sees that his day is coming. So understand this that Satan is the eternal loser. And who laughs at him? God does. And if God laughs at him, you can laugh at him. Because he that sitteth in the heavens, Psalm 2 4 says, shall laugh. God's word translation says, the Lord makes fun of them. And you have been raised with him. So in Christ Jesus, you can laugh at the devil. Psalm 52 5 says, God will destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away and pluck thee out of thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. Read verse 6 with me. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall do what? Laugh at him. Laugh at him. Things might be a little tough. But here are some encouraging words. Psalm 33 says, His eye is upon those that fear him. Those that hope in His mercy, His eye is upon you. In verse 19 it says, He will deliver your soul from death and He will keep you alive in recession. He will keep you alive in famine. What does that mean to us today? That means we're not going down. Psalm thirty-seven, eighteen, and verse 19 says, The Lord knows the days of the upright. And their inheritance shall be till next Tuesday. No, forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of Sam... Salmon. That's right. It's a pulpit blooper. In the days of salmon. In the days of famine. Glory to God. They shall be Satisfied. Now, I went to Alaska last summer, and I had a day of salmon. Oh, and I was satisfied. But that's not what we're talking about today. Now, notice this. We have moved from being kept alive in famine to being satisfied. That's better than just making it. Now, in Job chapter 5, verse 22, we quoted it, but I want you to see that for yourself in your Bible. Job... The fifth chapter, the 22nd verse, says, At destruction and at famine, what will you do? Yeah. At destruction and famine, thou shalt tear up. No, at destruction and famine, thou shalt cheer up. How can the world, Pastor Mark and I, cheer up in a time of recession? How can I be of good cheer when everything around me seems to be falling apart? You can do it by the authority of God's Word. But you will not be able to do it without an inside revelation of the Word of God. Because, friends, the joy of the Lord will strengthen you when you feel weak. I would remind you, when you are at your weakest He remains strong. So somehow we need to be able to tap in to the strength of the Lord. And that's why He's given you and I the Holy Spirit. He said that you will be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit who indwells you. When you have a personal face-to-face relationship with the Lord, when you are in communion with the Holy Spirit, you will be strengthened. Now, if you walk away from the Lord, and you walk away from church, and you walk away from fellowship with the Lord, you will be weakened. But I'm not looking at a church that wants to be weakened. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Ephesians says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. We discovered recently that it is a strong spirit of man that will sustain him when weakness comes around him. Oh, glory to God. You can laugh at destruction when you've got a revelation. You can laugh in the midst of circumstances. And I'm not talking about some sort of a weak ha-ha, ho-ho, hee he. he. And I'm certainly not trying to work up a spirit of laughter in the service today. But I'm talking about in the privacy of your own bedroom. While you're driving down the street. While you're going about your way, when all of a sudden the revelation knowledge hits you and the joy of the Lord begins to bubble up on the inside of you and spirit of laughter and a spirit of joy comes upon you. And when you were once, you were weak, but now you're strong. Amen. Strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Job 5.22 says at destruction and at famine, what are we going to do? We can literally laugh. Why? Because lack is under our feet. Now the truth of the matter is, as we make a slight transition in this message, the truth of the matter is, He is your provider. His eye is on you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your address. He knows your particular situation. And the Bible says that he is ever ready to watch over his word and his will in your life to perform it. Well, since nothing is naked and everything is open unto his eyes, then we need to get the great performer something to perform. We need to address the Lord with his word. We need to remind him of his promises and stand and declare what He said He would do. And when you stand and declare and said he will what He will do, He will do what He said He will do. He will perform His Word on your behalf. Amen? And the reason why is God is faithful. He's faithful to His promises. And He can be trusted. So give the great performer something to work with. Give Him some praise in your midnight hour. I said, give him some praise in your midnight hour. Worship the Lord and the beauty of His holiness, because He is your provider. Now turn quickly to Genesis chapter twenty-two. Anybody ever been tested before? Anybody? Anybody ever not been tested? When a teacher tests you, a teacher tests you to prove you, right? If you go to a car lot this week and you want to drive a used car or a new car, you want to give that car, what kind of a drive? You want to give it a test drive because you've heard good things about the performance of that car, but you want to see it, you want to know it for yourself. So you go to, go to prove that automobile that it may be worthy of your cash, correct? Amen. Well, God tests us. Amen. But it is not the test that the evil one brings to us. Amen. There's two different kinds of tests. When God tests us, it's a solicitation on His behalf for us to obey, right? Amen. But when the devil tests you or tempts you, It is a solicitation to disobey. When we obey, it results in blessing. When we disobey, it always results in cursing. Is that right? So, if you're going through a proving time with the Lord, that's a good time. Show Him your obedience. Show Him your total surrender. Show Him your willingness to do whatever He has you to do. In Genesis 22, and verse 1, I want you to notice this. And it came to pass that after these things, that God did test Abraham, and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I'm right here. In verse 2, notice with me, of Genesis chapter 22. Here's what God told him to do. And take now thy son, take now thy only son, That you love and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. That's a difficult test. Notice the words, your son, your only son. And notice that God says, whom you love. Our Heavenly Father asked Abraham for the most precious and most dear thing to his heart. Are you seeing that? And I want you to notice Abraham's response in verse 3. So Abraham ran from God. No. Abraham, what did he do? He rose up early in the morning. He saddled that donkey up. He obeyed immediately, and his obedience was not tainted by any delay whatsoever. Notice with me in verse 3. And Abraham rose up early, saddled up his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up. Now, notice, here's what I want you to see. And he went to what? Everyone say the place three times. Where did Abraham go? To the place which God had told him. Is it important for us to be in the place that God has told us? Understand this. There are some things that God may have you do that are not always convenient. Sometimes they go contrary to the flesh. I discovered as being a pastor over thirty years that a lot of people they want spirituality on their terms. It's kind of the cafeteria plan. You know, you 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 go to a cafeteria place and you and you choose what part you want. And the part you really like you load up on. And, And and that may be okay in a cafeteria. But in God, there's all sorts of parts to this walk with Him. There is the healing part. But there's also the commitment part. There is the prosperity part, and we should have that. But there's also the holiness part. Yes, there's faith that moved mountains, but there's also the faithfulness part. And in God, it's not a cafeteria plan. It's the whole thing. Everything. Everything that God has given you light on, you are, I am, responsible to walk in. And friend, whether you realize it or not, you want to walk in the light. You want to walk in the Word. Because the doer of the Word becomes blessed in his doing. And the doer of the Word not only is blessed, but he becomes a channel, a blessing, for him to flow through. So, if a person says, you know, well, you know, I'm spiritual, but you know, I don't need to do this and I don't need to do that. No, really, in reality, you're carnal. Carnality. In order for us to be truly spiritual, it's got to be on his terms. (laughs) And God said, Abraham, I got a place for you to do this. Now, Abraham had to go quite a ways to get this done. I think it was Two or three days journey, was it not? I mean, there could have been a mountain on his way and he could have said, Oh, God, why don't we just do it here? Why don't we just go over here and do that? No, there's a specific place in God's plan for your race. There's a specific church God wants you to attend. I'm not going to meddle on that one now. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 4, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and what did he see? He saw the place. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. And what will we do? Did Abraham have some faith? He knew that he had a covenant with God and if even it was necessary for God to raise his son from the dead, he would do it. He would do it. He said, we're coming back. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, my father, And his dad said, I'm right here. And he said, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? That is a perfectly legitimate question. But here is Abraham's response. And this must be our response. The end of the month is coming. We see the bills. The doctor's report came. It's not good. I just got served papers for divorce. It's not good. What shall we do? We need to have the attitude of Father Abraham. And what is that attitude? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they came, both of them together. This is our response that is necessary. In a time of testing. And our response should be. My God will provide. My God will provide. He will come through for me. Like he has come through for me. Over the years and over the decades. And over the saints for centuries. My God will provide. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't smell it. Sometimes I can't even think it. But my God will provide. I said my God will provide. My God will provide. He always has. He always will. Glory to God. And He is our abundant provider. My God will provide for you. Your God will provide for you. Just make sure that you're hooked up to the right God. Because Buddha does not meet your needs. Muhammad does not meet your needs. Oh, come on somebody. Somebody. Some young moon does not meet your needs. Only my God, only your God, only the possessor of heaven and earth, the most high God, the deliverer from all of our enemies. That's the God we're talking about. The God that raised Jesus from the dead. The God, glory to God, that gave his only begotten Son and provided a lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. My God, your God, will provide. Woo glory. That's shouting ground right there. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. My God will provide. My God will provide. Yeah, but I've been looking for a job for six months. My God, your God will provide. Don't let loose of that revelation. He is in fact your provider. He is our provider. He is our abundant compensation. Ooh, he is your reward. He said to Abraham, he says, I am your reward and your abundant compensation. Amen. Hallelujah. Say it once again. My God, My God will, provide. will provide. Not just can provide, will provide. Now notice verse 9 through 13. And they came to the place again. They came to the place, that place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood in order and bound up Isaac, his son, and laid upon the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, don't lay your hand upon your lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know, you have passed the test. For now I know that you really fear God. Seeing you have not withheld thy son, your only son. Oh, glory to God. And in verse 13, Abram lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold... Behind him, there was a ram in a thicket, caught by his horns. And Abraham and went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of or in place of his son. Who don't you know that God began to deal with that ram at about five a.m. God knew ahead of time. He starts dealing with the ram. And this ram gets an impulse to head north. Then he feels like maybe I ought to go left. Then take a sharp right and he climbs the mountain. Doesn't know why. And the ram just starts gnawing on a bush and roots around and gets tangled up. Poop! There it is! Hallelujah! <laughs> God says, look over there, Abraham. I'm providing you a ram in the thicket. And my God's always got a ram in the thicket. He will do whatever he needs to do to see to it. Glory to God. that his plan is, glory. You may not know how, you may not know where, you may not know when. But just know this. If you're in the will of God, you may have the knife up. But oh, glory to God. God always provides. Is that good today? Now notice with me in verse 14. Here's what I want you to see. And Abraham called, now listen, the name of that place. He called the name of that place. We've seen that word place at least four times. He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, and this is what it means, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be seen. The New King James Version says this, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So His provision was there ahead of time. And that is really basically what the word provide means. If you break the word provide into two places, the word pro means before. The word vision means seeing. So he is the God, Jehovah Jireh, who sees before. He sees your need before you get there. He sees your need. Woo! I just got to shout a little bit. He sees your need before you get there. And he sets it in motion. Hallelujah. Because he is your provider. Is your mind going to have difficulty? Yes. But you got that helmet on, right? Yeah. You got the helmet of expectation on that my God will provide. Amen. Listen, my friends, nothing takes the master by surprise. Yeah. Hallelujah. He didn't just find out about it when Abraham was ready to slay the lad. He didn't say, Stop, what's going on, Gabriel? Michael, what's up? No, he knows what's coming up in your life long before you were ever born. Some of you, He brought to this place today to call on the name of the Lord so you could be saved. But listen very carefully. For you and me to be positioned and to stay qualified, we must stay in the right place. We must be in the right place. What do you mean the right place? Not only geographically in the will of God, serving in the local church, and being in the plan of God. But I mean, we need to have our hearts right, in the right place. Our priorities must be in the right place. Amen? Amen. Now listen to this. It wasn't just that God was Jehovah-Jireh. The place was called Jehovah-Jireh. He was Jehovah-Jireh, when Abraham was in the right place, doing the right thing. And look at verse 15 through 18. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham out of heaven the second time. And he said, Now I have sworn, that's covenant talk, for because you have done this thing, God counted it done, and you have not withheld thy son, thine only son. He says, now look it. That in blessing, I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. And as the sand is upon the seashore. And thy seed, glory to God, shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Because you, Abraham, you have obeyed my voice. You see, Jehovah Jireh wasn't just connected to a person, but it was distinctly connected to a place. And so when we sing of and when we think of Jehovah Jireh, we think of him meeting our needs and that's fine. But there's a much bigger picture involved here. There was a supernatural provision because he was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right heart. Come on, somebody. No doubt Abraham was blessed. And no doubt you will be blessed. But I want to remind you that the purpose of the local church and the purpose of our lives is not just to get blessed. Don't take your faith off the line for material things. Believe God with all of your heart. But put that after you've sought first the kingdom of God. Because you will be positioned, glory to God, for prosperity in that kind of setting. Amen? So when I obey and you obey, someone else gets blessed. So the question today in closing is this, is what place is God commanding us to go? In our attitudes. How about in our relationships? Could we be better husbands? Could you be better wives? It's mighty quiet. (laughs) Listen to all those nervous laughs. In our spirit. What place in our commitments. You see all of you have a place. Every one of you are called. Are you listening? Are you obeying? And listen to this little phrase as I close. God gives grace for your place. That enables you to run your race. And to finish your course. Say that with me. God gives grace. Just hold up your, your hands and your life before the Lord and pray this out of your spirit. Lord God, Lord God. thank you for your grace, thank you for, your grace. For, my place. for my place. Thank you for your divine enablement, thank you for your divine enablement. and your strength your to run my race. To run my race. Thank, you, Lord. thank you, Lord, by the grace of God. Grace of God. I'm going to finish my course. I'm, gonna I'm not going to allow my course to finish me. I yield my life to you most high. You are my God. You are my provider. And by the grace of God, cause my vision, cause the vision to become clearer and clearer under the perfect day. And if you've never prayed this, pray this out of heart of faith and declare the Lordship of Jesus in your life. Everyone together saying, for some of you, you'll just be declaring and renewing your faith in God. For the others of you, it'll be for the very first time. Say this, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. I declare today that you are my Lord. Lord, I invite you into every area of my life and I give you praise and I give you glory for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. Amen. Glory. I believe this, that adjustments have been made. You take this message that I've preached today and you listen to it a couple of times and just see if this doesn't resonate with you over and over again. Your future is bright. Amen. He is your provider and He loves you. So you and I, today, I believe we're in the right place at the right time. Corporately as a church, beyond any shadow of a doubt, I believe that God raised this place up. As I look out the Back today, I can see cars going by, by the hundreds, even on Sunday. You can see automobiles going by here by the thousands during the week. This is a great place for Jesus Christ to be revealed. This is a great place for His glory to rest. And I'm proud of the people of this church that have sown of their time and their talents and their treasures over the years. And I'm very, very grateful for new ones that have come to help us to fulfill the vision that God's put in our heart. I have hope in God. I have hope that one day we'll pay this building off. And I'd like to see it before I go to heaven. I believe that you and I are in the right place for the right time, that we've come into His kingdom for such a time as this. And I believe that we are in position for abundant provision. Yeah. And so as we prepare to give today, we're going to, we're going to have two offerings today.